Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. No, it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Sunday morning. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. Dante Gomez behind the glass. Hey, Dante, I just want to say thank you. I want to start the show on a really good note, a good positive note. And I just want to say thank you to you for um, playing the, the music that's on the rundown to start the show. That's a really thoughtful thing. Nice one, thing of one you. One producer to do. knows how to do it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, you you know, you won't do it on Saturdays, but you'll do it on Sundays. Like, why is that? By the way, what do you mean? Well, what what song do you have on Saturdays? Well, two Saturdays in a row, because you're you're Mister. Um, like, I need my rundown. I'm not going to produce a rundown for you as a producer of the show, but there better be a rundown for me when I come in to produce the show. I'm like, sure, settle down. Those words have never come out of my mouth. Settle down, Dante. I'll get you a rundown. I will produce a rundown for you, Mr. Producer. And uh, you're very demanding about that. But the last couple Saturdays I come in, I have music on to start the show on the rundown. You just totally ignore it. And so, uh, Two Saturdays ago, I do remember what you're talking about. I ran out of time. It was <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't be bothered to start the actual on air product with the song. There was, was thirty seconds for. before it was going, uh-huh. um, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to have enough time to find what he wanted." Uh, so I think I just I might have just played what was in there. Um, and then yesterday, if you're referring to that, I actually uh, was not running your show yesterday. I don't know if you, me and Sydney do look alike, but she was the one running your show yesterday. Oh, so when you were on the board. Pushing the buttons at the start of the show. That wasn't you. You actually, it was like, it was like a hologram or what? I think you're just misremembering. I thought you were right there. I was talking to you. By the way, right on the text line. Love listening to you on your way to church. Keep up the good work. That's Darius from Aurora. I read that because it was funny. My old pastor over at Eastern Hills used to text into the show on his way in when, when this show was a little earlier. We used to go 8 to 10 where Matt and Kyle Reese do the show now. And I'm like, well, thanks, Pastor, but you know, I feel like we're competing because you're about to go in and try and steal my listeners. But, you know, which is more important? Like, oh, okay, well, you're talking for God. I guess you're more important. Thanks, Pastor. You know, one of those things. But, yeah, no, it's uh, I appreciate you guys uh, going, Darius, on your way to church. I appreciate that. Uh, I guess I'll be able to go back to church now come uh, football season here in, uh, what, like a month or two because I'll have Sundays off, so that'll be nice. Um, yeah, so we're, we're two shows in the Tyler or not Tyler, Taylor Swift phenomenon. It's now come and gone. How, how was it for you, Dante? How was what? The Taylor Swift phenomenon. Um, it was cool. I mean, I didn't really see it too much. Um, Will Peterson had a nice little video come out. Yes. Like Uh, over a million views. Million views. Good for Will. Um, yesterday I was out by like Sloan's Lake, and now you can actually hear it uh, from the house I was at, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, the her her concert. Yes. So, wow. That was about the only experience, uh, interaction I had with the concert, though. Did you and see- the extra traffic? <laughs> yeah. How was traffic? 
Uh, it was not great. I kind of got to avoid it yesterday on the way to Sloan's Lake from because I live out in Arvada. Um, but then on the way home after the show yesterday, it wasn't great. But I don't know if that's just like a regular traffic thing. I don't know. 25 is always, you know, not great. Always not great. Yes, correct. Um, so here's my question. I, you probably haven't seen this. Why don't you, while we're doing this, can you look up DMAC's Twitter feed from Friday night? Now, I did the show with DMAC um, on all week last week. And there was no hint of him going to the show. All the way up to 6 o'clock Friday night, I did the show with him. Now, it I can't tell if he's trolling people and trying to, like, did he steal somebody's stuff to pretend he's going to the show? Or did he actually go to the show? It looks to me like he's representing that somehow, and he's kind of tweeting at Rachel V. Hill, like he went to the show, like Rachel somehow hooked. And Rachel wasn't going either. I think he's trying to brag to her that he did go, but um, I mean, the very first one I'm looking at is a different, like he, it's a screenshot, okay, from the concert. But it's like somewhat, it's a photo from the concert that he screenshotted, okay. But you can see like there's an X in there, and like it's someone else's. That's uh, what I was thinking he was trying to do. Like he was trying to be clever, but like, like, like certain people do things so they can play both sides of the fence. Like if they pull it off, they're like, "Ha ha, I got everybody." But if they don't, they go. Oh, well, everybody knows I was kidding type thing. So I'm, I'm assuming he didn't go. But if you look at some of his comments, he, he says to people, he's like, amazing, I know. And then he said to somebody else, like, amazing things happen or whatever. So he's, he's clearly trying to give the impression that he went to the show and how fantastic it was. Yeah, that's an expensive uh, bit if he did actually go to the show. <laughs> well, I think what the impression he's trying to give is that he fell ass backwards into some tickets. And so now I'm, I'm going through my mind like, well, can you imagine? Well, I'm sure Mrs. McKee doesn't care. Like, fine, honey, go. You know, because, like, they're living on, you know, they're, they're in the golden years, so to speak. Like, the kids are gone. They're still young, though. You know, they're, they're still feeling great. They have money now. They're empty nesters. They can do whatever they want, whenever they want. You know, D-Mac's job, right? He gets paid to do this. Full time, so yeah, whatever you want to do, and I'm sure whatever if, if he if he were to call Mrs. McKee and go, can I go to Ta- mom, honey? Can I go to Taylor Swift tonight? Yeah, go ahead. What do I care? You know that type thing. I don't think he has that much interest in going. I th- well, I think just for the sake of the show at all, I think he would have gone. I mean, I, I think if you got free tickets, he would go. But I don't think he's going to spend the you know five hundred dollars to yeah, go. No, there was zero percent chance because we were all talking about it. It was a bit on the drive. Drew Spivak legitimately wanted to go. I legitimately wanted to go. And, yeah, but this was the this is what we talked about on the show yesterday. You don't have the money to go, right? You're not in the same position of life to go. I mean, it would not have been responsible. Like, you could have, you know, found the money to go. Like, you could have borrowed it or your credit card or whatever. But for you, it would not have been fiscally responsible to go, right? No, it would not have been. It would have been a bad move for you to go. It would have been irresponsible. Drew had the money sitting there in an account doing nothing, and it wasn't a credit card. He wanted to go. He wanted to create that memory with his wife, and he got in his own head and, to my knowledge, didn't go. He talked himself out of it. And so that's what we're talking about. Should you buy happiness? Because people are like, money can't buy you happiness. Money can buy you happiness. Let's just get this off the table. 
money can buy you happiness. I've used money to buy myself happiness many times. I got to take on that. I think you have to already be a happy person, though. I don't think you can be like a miserable person and buy happiness. Well, no. If you if you're, if you're deter- still be miserable. If you are deter, yeah. You if you are determined to be miserable, that's your problem, right? Like like m- money is not going to solve your problem. Money is not going to make a miserable person happy, p- more than likely. But you can use money to obtain happiness. Like all those people that went to Taylor Swift and that were happy, and I think. Almost everybody that was there was happy. Like, there were probably a few miserable people, right? But of the 80,000 that went every night or 75,000, almost all of them, it looked like were happy from what I saw, right? And guess how they got in there? Almost all of them. They paid money, right? Money bought them that happiness. That's what happened, right? So you can, money can buy you happiness. Now, should you use the money? And sometimes people, it's, it's all perspective, And so that was what we talked about yesterday. So it is a little bit of a misnomer. And by the way, a lot of experts now, but again, this is one of those, it's science supposedly, but is it really science? It's it's still up to debate. But there are people that call themselves experts that say that's actually how you should spend your money. Is to, instead of, okay, well, I got uh, another another car or another house or, which which also is, is, is interesting. Okay, it's it's one thing to have a car that drives around every day, but like, what if you have? We were talking to Sean about like he has a car, a secondary car. He has this Corvette that actually brings him happiness because he it, it creates memories for him every once in a while when he drives it. Right. Well, but what these experts are saying is, you your money is actually better spent on on experiences and memories and and, and creating. Things that last in your only in your mind with people you love or or for yourself. And okay, I, I can buy a jet ski. Like Marilette's got a whole army of jet skis up at the place in Lake Havasu, right? Right. But the things. Well, some people say you shouldn't really buy things. You should buy experiences. They're much richer and more rewarding. Well, this like the Taylor Swift thing. And so, so these experts would have said to to Doctor Spivak, Drew, our executive producer. Uh, spend the money on Taylor Swift. But in the end, unless something happened after 6 o'clock on Friday, which I don't think happened, um, he just he just got in his own head and was like, pfft, he talked himself out of it. It was a fascinating case study over the course of two days. I thought it was he, I thought him and Mrs. Spivak were there. And then by the end, nope, pfft, gone. So it's been fascinating to see our city taken over. Um, and we're actually going to talk to Will Peterson. Will, Will had great stories about... And then DMAC getting all up in Will Peterson's, like, financials about, you know, how, you know, the, the tickets and who he was taking. And, I mean, it was very, it was like, Will, Will Peterson, get on the couch while Dr. DMAC dissects every little bit of your uh, financials and um, relational aspect of your Taylor Swift experience. But anyway, we are going to, um, about an hour from now, actually, have Will Peterson on the show, talk about what it was like. Uh, Will Peterson was actually, and, and again, I'm just ignorant on these things. But Will was talking to somebody. But did you like my outfit? Which, as far as I could tell, was just him and his buddy wearing a yellow shirt. Which is what does that mean? Like, what is that? I, I didn't see it. So, um, well, I'm go to his argue. Twitter. It's on his Twitter. Yeah, it's just him. It's one of the pictures he posted. It's just him wearing a yellow shirt, like a t-shirt. Like a go to Target, get a pack of yellow t-shirts. Like a you know, it's a little bit of a bright yellow t-shirt. 
and like his buddy. It was. It looks like it was him, a buddy, and then there were two ladies with you know with them. I don't know who I don't know who any of these people are, but like him and his buddy have matching yellow. It, it, it was like one of those T-shirts. I would think that he was supposed to like bedazzle or or paint or you know make nice or draw on or something. It was like no, just take it out of the packet and we put it on and now we match. Like I don't know if that's a bit or what it is. Yeah, somebody says uh, money can buy barbecue. That's happiness. I agree with that. Um, Somebody else says, I buy happiness every... Somebody said this yesterday. I buy happiness every Monday. I buy chicken wings. There you go. That's a fun Monday tradition. Yeah. You know, tangent off that, Dan, what's your uh, chicken wing sauce of choice? Actually, my favorite chicken wing is I just go to Hooters and I get what they call naked, which I, I found out later was actually... It's not naked. It's dipped in butter. They just toss it in straight butter, which is fantastic. What about you, it's sir? A good one. Um, like Honey Hot. Yeah, I think that's a good little. You get a little sweet, a little spicy in yeah. there. Um, I also do. A, I like the some of like the dry rubs are nice too, like a little garlic parm. Yeah, garlic parm's good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's almost wing season coming up here. Yeah. See the judging this. What kind of grown ass man wants to go to a Taylor Swift concert? Grow a pair and enter manhood. Fruitcake. <laughs> Anytime somebody says fruitcake now, it just makes me giggle. Fruitcake. <laughs> I disagree. I, again, I would. Yeah. I would have loved to go. I'm not going to pay like. I would have paid like a hundred. I would have paid like 150 dollars to go, but I'm not doing much more than that. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I would have. I would have been happy to happy to go. Like again, I'm not not spending spend any money on it. But it, and watching like Will's million plus views video, that was like wow. That would have been really super cool to be. Yeah, there. that was for a, a different reason. <laughs> well, I know the reason for the for the views, but I know what you're saying. Um and again, we brought it on the show yesterday. No matter what you spent to be there, watching that video, do you think anybody that left those shows left saying, no matter where they sat, right? Because that was like like one of Drew's things was like, well, I'm not going to pay that type of money to sit here where I can't see this or that. It's like, do you think anybody left that show saying, man, I didn't get my bang for my buck. I didn't get my money's worth. I wish I wouldn't have spent the thousand bucks. Probably not. I actually knew uh, two girls that went, and they spent like $140. And they they were in the 500s, but they were the first row of the 500s. Right. So it wasn't a bad seat. Right. But they had like, no one in front of them, at least, which is nice. Right. But, I mean, again, anywhere in there, I mean, if, my thing was it's a football stadium, so she's going to look like a little pin anyway. You're watching on the screen. You're there for the energy. You're there for the, you know, the you're, you're going to hear it. You're going to see it. You're, you're, you're soaking up the vibe. It's to say you were there and to feel it, experience it. It's it's all your senses. It's not really, oh, I can see her, you know, mascara, right? Anyway. All right. Well, I I, I wonder if old oh, Nate Jackson, he plays a lot of Taylor Swift on the Players Club every Friday. What do they call it? Sissy Music Friday? I heard it was, uh, no, that's not what I've heard. What is it? Uh, Guilty Pleasure Friday is what I was pitched. But but then the, it's called Guilty Pleasure Friday, but then he also calls it like the, uh, what do you call that when they also have it? Something has a name, but then it also has like a, a secondary name. A nickname? Alternative nickname. name? Yeah, something like that. Secondary but name? Yeah, secondary name. Yeah, they also call it Sissy Music Friday. So, Guilty Pleasure Friday, Sissy Music Friday. Like Chad Brown probably only refers to it as Guilty Pleasure Friday, and then Nate probably calls it, you know, Sissy Music Friday or something like that. So, anyway, we'll talk to Nate Jackson from the Players Club coming up next. <laughs> Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. 
Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Let's go straight out to the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline and welcome to the program. The one, the only, Nate Jackson. How are you, Mr. Jackson? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So settle this for us. Actually, so this is from the text line. We're trying to, um, is this correct? This tweet says, there are a few listeners who are insecure about their manhood who cry and complain about the music on Fridays on the Players Club the sissy music moniker came from the complainers. Is that true? Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, we we start the show off by playing Vanessa Carlton, Thousand Miles," and that's to some people, to some to some men, maybe considered sissy music. And then sometimes throughout the course of that Friday, we play other songs by other you know pop female artists. <laughs> I'm like, I heard you guys talking about Taylor Swift, and then yeah, some folks don't like it. There's just a couple of them. And but I've turned it into a thing, you know, the sissy music guy, and he always talks about how we should, you know, play real music, like real man music, and like you know. And I asked him, what does that mean? What is real man music? And he says it's like rap and old school and like so. I don't know. You can't please them all, Dan. Yeah, we were talking about this week. I was. It was funny because Chad Brown texted me. Uh, I was watching, as you know, I'm not a huge music guy, but I like the stories behind the music. <laughs> And the Wham thing no, fascinates no, me. Dan, Dan, I mean, you don't like music. That's It's not that you're not a huge music guy. You've admitted to me that you just don't like music. Most music. Most music. <laughs> okay. Got it. But, the, like, I get the stories fascinate me, right? And yeah. so the Wham documentary came out while I was on vacation, and I'm watching this Wham documentary, and it's fascinating to me because you got George Michael, who's George Michael, and then there was this other dude. Like Andrew Ridgely, or this guy, right? And he was able to live the rest, and he's still doing it, live the rest of his life off of the royalties and the money off his wham money, right? And I was kind of having a little fun with it, and Chad Brown, like, texted me. He's like, don't you, don't you run down Andrew Ridgely, all right? He made George Michael George Michael. So, you know, we just kind of, um, you know, had some fun with it. But, you know, people, like, same thing, like, wham sucks, or this texter last last uh, break was like, who what what man would ever go to a Taylor Swift concert? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, we're having Nate Jackson on. I'm sure he's got some friendship bracelets on right now, right? I took him off for the interview because I didn't want him distracting me. But yeah, I have several of them. Uh, Taylor Swift's an interesting case in music because she she is in like her mid thirties now. You know, she's not like a tweeny pop star or whatever. So she does have fans who are her age. And they have husbands and things like that. So what are you going to do? I mean, it's not all teenage girls who like Taylor Swift. She has been at it for so long now that her fans are, like, multi-generational. Yeah. The funny thing I was having fun with Matt Smith is, like, you know Taylor Swift is three years older than Matt Smith? Mm. <laughs> and And you should hear Matt sing. And you should see him dance, especially when he's wearing, like, a sequin yes. number. Yes. It's pretty, it's pretty special. Matt has a lot of talents. He doesn't always show them with us. Well, and here's the final thing that will blow your mind, Nate, because you give me a hard time. I've shaved the, the, the facial hair, <laughs> so now I look younger than Taylor Swift. It's nuts. Well, wow. Wow. Okay, cool. I want to see that, man, because you're a handsome dude, 
And uh, what are you, how old are you? 64, how old? Yeah, but I'm babyface now. I'm babyface good guy, Dan. And now I look younger than Taylor Swift and Matt Smith. It's it's insane. Can you put a f- picture of it out or something? Can you do something so we can see this babyface Dan Jacobs? Because I want to see him, man, and I don't see you very often. Yeah, we'll put it out, we'll put it out on Twitter some, at some point. Just, you know, wait with bated breath. <laughs> Um, have you seen the new documentary? Everybody's all crazy about it. I was going to get your thoughts on this because you um, you played uh, during a, during an era where this actually was very prevalent. But um, the new Netflix documentary on the quarterbacks. Are, are you familiar with this program? I am. It's called Quarterback, really creatively uh, titled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did hear the intro, the kind of the, the promo with Peyton saying, like, look, I may be biased, but – quarterback's the hardest position in the history of the world <laughs> and um i laugh man because the quarterback we know how important it is we talk about it constantly but it is reaching a fever pitch with the, these these quarterback obsessed narratives um you know i would say that it's not the hardest position in sports i would say that it's unique i mean you got to make a lot of decisions and we get to go inside the decision making process but if it was you know Clearly, like, playing cornerback is harder for Peyton Manning than playing quarterback. Like, he couldn't play corner. He couldn't play the tackle. He couldn't play any other position than quarterback. So it's probably not the hardest position. It's probably the easiest for Peyton to play because of his body type and his skill set. He has a unique skill set. Man, nobody has ever commanded the line of scrimmage the way Peyton has and dissected the game and been able to see what the defense is doing the way he has. And so the fact that he... Well, his company's producing this show. It's going to really give you a peek, uh, you know, behind the curtain to the quarterback's process. <laughs> but I chuckle with the quarterback stuff because the quarterback is not the one catching the ball. He's just tossing it up there. There's a reason why they call it Hail Mary, man. It's a prayer. Who answers that prayer? It's not the quarterback there. Oh, it's, it's tight ends receiver. like Nate Jackson. Yeah, receiving exactly. tight ends. Yeah. The receivers, the tight ends, the right. those guys are the guys who make the reception. The quarterback is powerless. Um, so uh, I, I, I scoff at the quarterback being the most important, most skilled guy on the field. Yeah, now here's what I'm scoffing at because they, they act, some, of, some of our friends here, they're watching this stuff like as if it's brand new. Like this is all fun, interesting stuff, but a lot of us, this is not new. Like this was fascinating 20 years ago when you go and watch tape from like Mike Shanahan, like the, the attention, this is all about, wow, because some people are just finding out now that there's this, attention to detail, right? Like, like there's old tapes of Mike Shanahan on the sideline, like getting a kid to go ask John, you know, uh, Jim Gray about this or that, or getting Al Wilson to um, coach on the field. Like, like this attention to detail stuff, this peek behind the curtain stuff has been going on forever. Has it not? Yeah. And I actually heard you and DMAC talking about this. And I was very surprised that DMAC was surprised that there's more to it than meets the eye. Like, he's like, there actually is context for why a play goes wrong. It would be really interesting to see that you can't just point the finger at one person and blame that one person, that there is a ripple effect, that everyone has a very detailed job to do, and one thing goes wrong over here, and it affects the whole chain, and then the result is better over here. So it was surprising that DMAC didn't understand that context prior to watching this documentary, but maybe that's the way it is with a lot of offense. You know, they're, so PFF is a big a popular metric used to grade and chart the value, numerical value of players. Um, but it's really difficult to do that without being 
having a peek behind the curtain and understanding what the entirety of the play was supposed to look like with everybody on the field. It's not just one guy messing up at the end, you know. And so when Sean Payton came into this team um, and he was asked about, you know, how did it, about the offense last year and its ineptitude and why it was so bad, and even he said, look, it's hard to evaluate what went wrong because I wasn't in those meetings. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. I don't know what they were being coached. I don't know what their rules were on certain plays. You know, and so without that type of knowledge from inside the huddle and inside the meeting rooms and things, then it's really difficult to grade these guys and understand what went wrong. Um, so I think it's cool to have a peek behind the curtain and see that there's a big picture context to it. I was just surprised that DMAC didn't get that prior to watching the show. Well, that's actually something that I'm going to talk about later. It's not just DMAC. It's, it's everybody I've heard talk about it. And, and you and I are on the exact same page, right? Like, what what have, what have these guys been – what do they think happened? Like, this is nothing – New and so they're watching this and it's blowing their mind and I, and I can't help but think because I've I've sensed from you, Nate, that you've had frustration with your brethren that that they don't get it right your media brethren like sometimes they don't get it because they just maybe they don't know what's going on behind the scenes and they may think something and then they're like oh but you just don't understand right and that's one of the reasons like I love stories from Orlando right because he'll tell you like he has great stories about. What the way like a Tebow did something versus a Peyton, right? And it really helps you understand. And it's just like you're saying, like now all of a sudden they see something, um, they're watching this documentary and it blows their mind. And it's like, well, yeah, what did you think? So maybe, yeah, I guess maybe, I don't know. Are we that unfair? I'm not, not me personally, because I already understood this, I think. But, like, the Russell Wilson backlash, I guess? I don't know. Like, what was your take on that? Because a lot of guys, several guys came back the next day and was like, well, maybe we were too unfair to Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot there. I think the Russell Wilson thing is really interesting because what Russell did last year with the Broncos and what the Broncos did for him, what Nathaniel Hackett did for Russell and the way they went about constructing – the offense and the team and the whole process was different, was different than, than every one of us is used to. And the tried and true process of coaches coaching and players playing and you learning my system and here's what we're going to do and here's what it's going to look like. And I'm not giving special treatment to a player just because he wants it or because we really, really, really needed a quarterback or convinced ourselves that we needed to find a replacement for Peyton Manning and, you know, nothing less than Peyton Manning-esque is going to do. So we're going to move mountains and um, earth to get this guy. And once we get this guy, hey, man, it's your show. You do what you want. That was very unusual, and it didn't work. And so I think there's a lot of context to why it didn't work. It wasn't just the X's and O's on the field. It was the team-building process. It was, the, the you know, the repetitions in practice. It was the... This, to me, you know, offenses don't need to be complicated. We get lulled into this idea that football has to be some super difficult scientific equation and we need to spend all our waking hours breaking it down. And sometimes it's as simple as throw it to the open guy, take what the defense gives you. They can't cover every inch of the field. And so we go to the open spot. We open space. They want It's, it's like a boxing match. You know, you're guarding your face. I hit you in the body. You drop your guard to your body. I hit you in the face. That's kind of like what football is for the running game and the passing game and being able to mix it up and yada, yada, yada. But I think Russell Wilson's failures last year were unique in that he was given an amount of power that nobody's ever had before without really understanding if he 
if he if he could handle it. You know, we didn't know that. Like he was coming from a system where where he was a piece. He was a piece to the puzzle. He wasn't the reason for anything. He wanted to be the reason, and we gave him that opportunity without proving that he deserved it. And I think ultimately that's why Nathaniel Hackett is gone. He didn't even last one full season, which is incredible if you think about it. It's a guy who's never done it before, brought in to change the culture and do something new, and they were over it that quickly. You know, even his own players were over it, even though they liked him. Russell Wilson and Latavius Murray were actively texting. Or no, I think it was Latavius Murray actively texting Sean Payton a couple of days before the Christmas game, saying, you got to come here and coach us and save us. I mean, so by then, they had already written off their current coach and were ready to move on to the next. And so, again, that's a Russell Wilson thing as well. Like, um, the power and the comfort he had, feeling like, okay, this guy's, I'm done with this guy. We need someone else to come in. He wasn't willing to stick it out with his butt, his buddy Nathaniel Hackett, who they collaborated with. So um, I think a lot of things were unusual with Russell. And if if, they, if if this documentary had been following around Russell as well as Patrick Mahomes and and uh, whoever else, it would have been a stark contrast, you know, to see Russell's process up in his office and having the dissertations on Tuesday to stay to the union when he pulled guys in. Patrick Mahomes ain't doing any of that. That's Andy Reid's show. And anything that Patrick Mahomes does is because Andy Reid agrees with it, uh, green lights it, wants him to do it. So I think that's the kind of symbiosis that you need on a team to be successful. Hey, Nate, real quick. Do you imagine there's going to be similar dysfunction in New York with the Jets as the Broncos had last year? No, because Nathaniel's not – he's back being the front uncle. You know, he's not in charge anymore. And it's also – it's not his team. Like, and it's also not Russell Wilson either. And so I think all the hats that Nathaniel Hackett was forced to wear last year – were too much for him. Like, so if it was just him and the offense, he might have done better. But he also had to be thinking about so much other stuff, not just the in-game situational decision-making, which he struggled with, but the -the off-the-field, during-the-week stuff that you have to manage as the head coach that he probably struggled with as well, or at least took his attention away from, you know, what he could be doing with the offense. Like, by all accounts, there were some bad coaches on that staff that made things bad in the rooms they were coaching, like the position groups. There was, it was poor morale. There was guys who didn't buy in and it wasn't because of Nathaniel Hackett. It was because of the staff he assembled. Some of those guys were just a little bit too inexperienced or ineffective um, to be able to carry Nathaniel Hackett's probably unique message effectively to every corner of that locker room. And also ultimately Hackett just couldn't do it all himself and got spread pretty thin. I think he knows a lot about football. He clearly, you know, has a connection with Aaron Rodgers, who was a two-time MVP. Although Aaron Rodgers said he was ayahuasca that got him there and not uh, any particular coaching. But, um, no, I think Hackett won't be quite as much of a, uh, a clown, <laughs> if you will, in, in New York. And if he is, he's sort of brought there to be that guy. Maybe he is a com- comedic relief guy. And But you don't want that as your head coach. You want your head coach to have an area of authority, of I'm in charge, of we're not buddies. I'm not going to come hug you right now. I have assistant coaches who are going to come hug you if you need a hug. But I'm not the guy to come to if you need a hug, man. I got stuff on my mind. I got stuff to do. I'm busy. There's a little bit of a separation here. Now, at the end of the season, when we win, I'll I'll hug you, I'll kiss you, and we'll go out to dinner together. But right now, man, it's not not comedy hour. We got to get to work. How many wins is uh, additional wins is Sean Payton worth to this team? They won five games last year. It's a very similar roster. It's not exactly the same, but talent-wise, it's very similar. 
especially offensively. So given that Sean Payton appears to be much more competent than Coach Hackett, how many wins is that worth? You're talking about this season yes. or, or if he had coached last year? No, this season. Yeah, so so all of, everything you said is true. The coaching is going to be better, more organized, and all that. The, the, the struggle you're going to meet is that everyone else is getting better, too. Everyone else is, is working on their weaknesses. Everyone else is trying to upgrade. Everyone else is working just as hard to be better as well. So you're not doing this in a vacuum. If it was, yeah, you, you know, add four or five wins to it. But, you're all, but you still have to face really good football teams who are hungry, just as hungry as you, and just as interested as you in proving the doubters wrong and creating longevity and getting a new contract and winning a Super Bowl. Like, every single team in the NFL right now is taking Super Bowl. <laughs> so um, I I think this is an eight- or nine-win team, Dan. So I think probably three or four Why are you so wins negative? this team. Why are you so negative? Is that negative? Yeah, because I, I, I say it. Super Bowl victory? Because I say it's because I say that and I'm negative. Who calls you negative? Uh, uh, a lot of DMAC, a lot of people in the text line. You're very negative, Dan. <laughs> I think that's realistic, man. I think I think it's realistic, and I, I think we learned a lesson from uh, optimism the last several years. You can't, and I know this is a different coach, but you can't just look. You're not going, the Chiefs have been to this team has been together. This culture has been together. Andy Reid's been there for ten years. These guys are awesome at football, and, and they have the muscle memory, the instinct, the connection with each other. Like, you are behind that. You have to work to catch up to that. Even even in, even in Vegas with the Raiders, those guys have been together longer. I mean, the, the messaging's clearer. Um, you know, the Chargers, they're better right now. They just are. So, so how do you become better? That takes time. The reps, that takes time. The familiarity, that takes time. Even Sean Payton understanding the team he has, what players do I have on my team? He doesn't even know what these guys are yet. He's watched film of them, but can they digest my system? How are they going to do on the field in front of me? Um, that's going to take some time. So I don't think this year is really that important for Sean Payton in, in the grand scheme. I mean, he was in New Orleans for 16 years. Um, I do see some similarities, though, and I think you'll like this comparison between Sean Payton and Mike Shanahan for a variety of reasons. Mike Shanahan and Sean Payton both went to Eastern Illinois. Mm. Uh, both were quarterbacks there. Sean Payton was a very successful quarterback there. Mike Shanahan had an injury there that almost killed him. But they both ended up being NFL coaches. Uh, both trained under some legends. Both won Super Bowls at their first spot. Mike Shanahan was, um, well, Mike was actually in Oakland first, but he landed in um, Denver, coached here for 14 years, won two Super Bowls. Sean Payton was in New Orleans for 16, won a Super Bowl. And then Mike took a year off of um, off of football and then was hired to be the quarterback, or sorry, coach in Washington. Sean Payton took a year off, and now he's here in Denver. The difference is the meddlesome owner thing. But we don't actually know how ownership's going to affect Sean Payton. It seems as if he wouldn't have taken this job if he had a meddlesome owner. It seems like he does have autonomy, and Mike Shanahan did not have autonomy in D.C. But could he learn from some of the mistakes that Mike made in D.C. or some of the ways it went south? Mike was a really good coach. When you talk about the detail-oriented stuff, he was the best at that. He was an organizational master. And um, it didn't work out, you know, in Washington with the Redskins, even though he was an, a phenomenal football coach. So could Sean Payton suffer the same fate? I sure hope not. But um, a lot of similarities there between those two men. All right, last thing for you. This is a little fun, but I'm going to give you um, – this is a total curveball, so I'm going to give you a second here to collect your breath. This is like winning a, you know, the Wheel of Fortune, right? 
Should there be an entrance exam, a litmus test, so to speak, for being able to claim that you're a fan of a particular team? Do you have to be smart enough, knowledgeable enough about the team to say that you're a fan? No. You have to participate. I mean, there's a lot of fans who are dumb when it comes to, <laughs> like, the stats or the team or whatever, but they part, they watch games. They, 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 it's about your enthusiasm. Do you care? I think that's what fandom is. If you don't care at all, like, if you have actually, like, if they're losing, it doesn't matter to you, no big deal. I don't know if you're a fan. I think being a fan is, like, that you care. That well, you care about the fate of your team. Well, you know, you might not know the starting lineup and know everybody's story, but do you care? Well, that's what DMAC says is I don't care if you put your money where your mouth is and you show up for the Rockies is what, where we're going with this. Is If you can't name the starting shortstop, then you're not a fan. I don't care how much money you spend or how much t- you support the team. If you can't you know, pass the, the litmus test, the entrance exam, you're not a real fan. But isn't that him like comparing it with like Boston Red Sox fans and Yankee uh, fans and doing his whole like baseball thing where it's like nobody knows more about baseball than D-Max. He's basically right? saying oh. Oakland A's fans are better fans than Rockies fans. Because you know, oh, they're sticking with them through all the crap. There's 35,000 fans or 32,000 fans at a Rockies game and there's 11,000 fans at an A's game. But those ones that are at the A's games, they're really true fans where the Rockies fans, if they can't name the shortstop, they're just there to party. Well, I would say there's a there's a distinction between those two fan groups. Absolutely. The A's are having some issues. They're going to leave and they, you know, the fans feel aggrieved by the ownership bouncing for Vegas and not valuing them and not spending any money on the roster and things like that. And that's obviously not a party time experience um, to go see the A's in Oakland the way it is to see the Rockies. So I think he has a point that the fan base is different. Now is one a real fan, one's a not a real fan. Uh, no, I don't agree with that, but I think that the type of fan is certainly different. Um, wouldn't you agree with that? Well, they're in different stages right now, but I think they're a fan is a fan. Yeah, they're different. I mean, not all fans is the same. By the way, the Nuggets fan base right now is dramatically different than it was six years ago when they were last in the league in attendance. Like, yeah, it's different. Like they they go through phases. When you're winning, your fans are different. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say oh you can't you can't go to the parade Nugget fan because you didn't know who the starting center was six years ago, right? It's like you know it's not fair. But there's always sort of has been that sort of separation between the real fans and like the fake fans. Like even when you go, you know, if you get tickets to a game that you usually don't go to, then you go to the game and then the season tickets people are sitting next to you on either side, and they're looking at you like, oh, yep, another newbie, right? Mm-hmm. We're here every week. I see you. This is the first time I've seen you. There's always that separation in, in between fans, but there should be an inclusivity there as well. Like, I've been the guy sitting in a seat where there's nothing but season ticket holders around me, and they're not mean to you. You know, they're, they're hey, they're welcome. You know, oh, yeah, you've been doing that all year or whatever it is. So I think the community element is important and not some sort of, well, I'm a real fan and you're not, so you can't come here and have fun. Oh, you're going to cheer now? You haven't been here all the time. You can't enjoy this win. Like, I don't think that's the way to do it. Nate Jackson, you're the best. Thank you so much for your uh, time on a Sunday. Easy like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. No, no worries. Uh, really quickly, though, Dan, how was your week with DMAC? What's your quick takeaway with that, uh, that week you spent with DMAC? 
Well, you know, it was, uh, ever since I was a wee lad growing up in Aurora, I had dreamed of it, and it was a dream come true every minute of it. All right. That's what I thought. <laughs> I asked. I said, how come Nate Jackson doesn't get to do this a little more often? And um, he says he was going to be uh, making sure that happened. Yeah. We'll see if that happens, buddy. Fingers crossed. I would love it. All right. Thanks, Nate Jackson. Well, uh, everybody, your chance to react to Nate coming up next. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Hope you need my love, just like I need you. Thanks to Love Nate Jackson. I think his name's Nathaniel. No, it's Nathan. Not Nathaniel, it's just Nathan Jackson. Definitely Nathan. Yeah, I don't think his Twitter is uh, Nathan Serious. That's right. I never got that. Forever, I was like, so what, finally I asked him, like, what, what does that get? And he's like, nothing serious. I'm like, oh, duh, should have got that. If you want to listen to sports radio that has everything to do with anything but sports, listen to Dan Jacobs. True. True. So it's heading a negative or a positive connotation there. I, I, I don't know. You know what? Here's here's the deal. If you want, there's there's two things that are true. Um, if you want to l- listen to nothing but sports, uh, you can listen to every other sports radio show on any any sports radio station anywhere. Right? We do things differently here. Now, here's the other thing that's true. Right? If you want to hear what's right, um, what they're going to be talking about. Um, six months from now on those other shows, um, listen to this show because when I do get around to talking sports and you want the truth, this is where you need to come and th- they'll eventually get to the right answer. They just need to, they just listen to the Dan Jacobs show first and then they get to it six months from now. So you just get the straight stuff here. You just get it six months earlier. That's all. But here's the deal. Like I love sports. We talk sports. That's, we just talked about sports, but there's also other things in life that interests me, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a stage in life or whatever, but I don't think, I mean, Dante, what are you, 25 years old? Yep, 25. You finally got it right. Yeah. I've had to correct you like 10 times at least, but yes. Yeah, you're 25 years old. I mean, is this all you do all day long is just do nothing but sports? No, no. I, you know, watch movies, TV shows, hang out the, you know, the fellas. You like to eat? Yeah, I'm going to eat. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where, like, I I could always talk sports, but to be honest, it gets a little old sometimes where it's like I come here and talk sports. My roommates want to talk sports sometimes, and then sometimes I'm just burnt out. It's like, how, how you know, yeah. how much can you talk about sports for? It's just like the same thing over and over. Right. Do you have relationships? Yeah. Does that interest you? Yeah. Do you ever go out? Yeah. Do you have fun doing that? Yeah, no. I, I To be honest, sometimes it's fun to just, like, go out. There'll be a game on at the bar, and it's just like, I don't really care. Like, I'll go to a Rockies game, and I won't even know who won at the end of the game. I'll, okay, that's a lie. I won't know who won. But, like, I couldn't tell you one player, that, like, individually. Like, oh, like, oh, yeah, remember that one play? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know. It was fascinating because D-Mac and I, two different nights, tail two different nights, right? Like, like D-Mac legitimately thought, like, so I was hosting with him. I'm going out on a date that night, sort of. It wasn't really a date, you know, because it was a family thing. But um, he thought legitimately... Taking a woman to a bar to watch 
to legitimately watch every pitch of the home run derby at a bar is a good date. Like, so he could come back and report on it, you know, like, like, like that would be interesting for a woman on a date to go see. Yeah, I almost never talk sports with uh, the ladies. Right. Not like, it's more like if they want to, yes, but like, I just assume they don't want to. And it's not like I'm not going to go out of my way to like make them miserable to talk about sports the whole time. Right. And he, and he really thought that would be a good date. Even Richie was like, ah, DMAC, you're my guy and I want to back you up. And, you know, you know, everybody hates Dan, but I, even I got to, you know, go with Dan on this one. And, and, and what we were actually going to do, and we went to, we actually went to a sports bar. And we did office, you know, the, the the show of The Office. We did trivia. It was with my sister and her husband and my wife and my, my daughter were there. My two daughters were there. And the and the home run derby was off in the background, and it was fine. It was fun. And, you know, we took it second place. It was a good time. But there are other things, and there are other things that interest me. Like, for example, we even talked with uh, DMAC on it. The Wham! documentary, for example. That was fascinating to me. Not that I like Wham's music, but it was fascinating to me. And the whole, the, the reason that DMAC and Matt Smith and, and a lot of people like, and I do too, this, this new Netflix documentary, they don't like it because of the sports part of it. They're liking it because of the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's the same reason I like watching the Wham documentary. It's so fascinating to me. Is the same reason. It's the same thing. It's just a different topic. It's quarterbacking versus music, but it's the same thing. It's what goes into that. It's fascinating me. So yeah, like remember we were talking about the the grounding, and I I, I shared something from my life. The, the this grounding thing that I built for I'm um, to try and reduce inflammation, and I was kind of embarrassed to talk about it, and I opened up myself to my audience. And, I, and I, it was crazy. And some of you guys had some good fun with me, like, ha, ha, Dan, you queuing on stuff. But so many of you have shared, yeah, Dan, you know, I've had that experience too, and I do it too, and it's actually cool. And and, and a couple of people have said, you know, I've, I've done this because of you. And it's cool to share our lives together and to share common interests. And it's not like I'm coming on here talking politics and, and dividing people over, you know, divisive stuff. It's stuff that we find interesting. That's all. And so we do talk sports. We just talk sports. We just talk Russell Wilson. That's what we did with Nathan. But, you know, when Taylor Swift comes in and a quarter trillion dollars may be generated through the city, our own city, we're probably going to talk about it on this show. It's probably going to happen, just so you know, because it's fascinating. And we're going to talk about the Yankees and their effect and the tickets and the way it affects attendance, even though we're not talking about what happened in the game because I could care less. Just to be honest with you, I could care less what happened on the field with the Rockies. But I am fascinated about talking about the Rockies fan phenomenon. That does interest me. And the passion that the Rockies fans have. And, and is, does that make them true fans and things like that? That's an interesting discussion for me right now when the Rockies aren't all that competitive. Those things interest me. Now, there are other baseball dorks that sit there want to talk about war and ERA and the Rockies this and the Rockies blah, blah. Dude, it's a dead season. They're going to lose 100 games. That doesn't interest me. 
but other things can interest me about them. So, yeah, this isn't your regular sports show. But I do appreciate you listening, Texter. So to answer your question, Dante, I don't know if he's taking a shot or not. I don't care that much. I appreciate him listening. And I appreciate his sentiment. And he's right. So those are the things. Yeah, if you want to know what they're going to say six months from now about sports on other shows, listen to this show. And if you only want sports, eh, you might want to, you know, I guess you can listen to those other shows too. All right, coming up next, talking about sports, is this Broncos playmaker causing defensive coordinators to lose sleep at night? Talk about it coming up next.